Today on this edition of the Forest City Church Podcast, Chad Brugman has part three of the series titled, This is My Worship. Today's message is titled, The Power of Music. Uh, I just want to, uh, first of all, if you're here with us and you are visiting, I know Trevor already mentioned it, but I just want you guys to know how honored we are that you guys are with us and just hope you have an incredible time and that you feel welcome and that you feel at home here. And if you don't, it's not my fault. It's just Trevor's and the other people. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, it's going to be a good day. I want to piggyback off of, of the words that we just sang and the spirit of, of, of the song that we just sang because I've just felt a lot this week, but then I really felt it even at the nine o'clock this morning uh, when we came in. I just felt like in my heart, God just saying like, I, I, I want to do miracles like in this room. And I want to heal people in this room, whether any kind of healing, psychological healing from any type of mental illness, things that you and I might struggle with. If it's physical healing, disease in your body, sickness in your body, chronic pain in your body, maybe uh, just post-COVID yuckies or whatever you got. There's just power when we come together and when we honor and we invite the Holy Spirit. I know I sound like a broken record because I bring this up all the time, but I have such a deep conviction that this moment is ludicrous and silly if the Holy Spirit spirit is not doing the real work here. You understand that, right? I'm just a human middleman at best. Our worship team, we're human middlemen, but the ultimate goal is that we would honor and that we would revere the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Because you know what Jesus kept calling the Holy Spirit that he was going to send to us when he ascended back to heaven? He kept calling him a gift. And you know what I love about that? Nothing, there's nothing to earn. There's nothing to deserve. You don't have to strive. You don't have to do anything but in holy rest. You can just receive the Holy Spirit. And you know what the Bible says? We talked about it in the series a while back on the Holy Spirit. You just have to ask God, Holy Spirit, come. And when we do that, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is our helper, that he is our convictor, that he is our healer, that he is our comforter, that he is our advocate. I like this one too because we're all jacked up and need therapy. He's our counselor and it's free. How beautiful is that, right? And so I'm just believing in these next few minutes, if the posture of our heart, and it all comes back, trust me, to the posture of our heart. If the posture of our heart is holiness and awe and reverence to the Holy Spirit, you just watch the way that he just lifts up Jesus in your life, and you watch. I believe miracles are going to take place in this room, and all God wants from us at all, the thing that God asks from us in this beautiful relationship is just give me some faith that I can do it. Just give me some faith that I'm good. Give me some faith that I am for you and that I'm not against you. That is the God we serve. So I'm gonna pray, but would you connect your faith and heart to my words as we, with reverence and awe, ask the Holy Spirit in these last minutes we have together to just do something that just surprises us, if nothing else, okay? Jesus, we love you, and we're here for you ultimately. We're here to honor you as our king. We're here to lift up your name. We're here to give you the praise that you are due And and Jesus, we ask now that you gave us this gift in the Holy Spirit, and you said that with the Holy Spirit, streams of living water would flow out of us, God. And I so desperately want all of us to walk out of this, filling the streams of your living water, rejuvenating us and refreshing us and quenching that deep soul thirst that we all have for something greater than this world offers us. God, I just ask that you would be glorified in these next few minutes. God, I ask that your son would be amplified and lifted up in these next few minutes. And God, I ask you the power of your Holy Spirit, that all these things would happen. And so we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. 
We are in week three of a four-week series on a really unique subject, and I love that, that Pastor Eric and the team chose to do this because as you're going to see as I start preaching and get all fired up the way I do, I believe so deeply in the message of what we're talking about. If you're visiting with us, we are talking about this very specific thing in the church world that's called worship, and we're even getting more nuanced and specific with it, uh, especially in the first three weeks where we're talking about not just all of the kinds of worship, right, because it's all worship one way or another, but we're talking about the power of musical worship. And, and it's so important that we do this because it, it's very easy for us as humans and nobody's bad, nobody does this with ill intent, but when, when we have something sacred before us week in and week out, time and time again, it's so easy to take sacred things and make them common. I don't know about you, but I do that all the time. And music is so common to the everyday human experience that we just, we just now listen to it almost most of the time subconsciously. It's just like a part of who we are. It's a part of our everyday human experience. And if we're not careful, we can, uh, without meaning to, we can forget about and even sometimes downplay the importance and the power of this gift, this median, this, this, this art that God has so kindly given us called music. It's literally one of the most, when leveraged right, let me say that, when leveraged Right, It's one of the most holy and beautiful gifts from God that humans have been given to not just survive in this life, but to thrive in this life. And so on the front end, before we get into some, some of the text and some of the theology, I just want to do my best to kind of reiterate what I think Eric did in week one a bit. I want to just make a case. I want to make an argument, if you guys will let me for a few minutes, about the power of music to remind us that this is a sacred gift we have been given. I Googled several years ago just the phrase, the, the power of music, and I just uh, want to quote to you the very first thing that came up, because right out of the shoots, this is speaking to us of the beauty, the, the healing qualities, the, the redemptive factors in music, just from a scientific and psychological perspective. It says this, numerous scientific and psychological studies have shown that music can lift our moods. I'm in. If it can do that, I'm in. Give me some music, baby. It says this. It can combat depression. Now, I haven't shared a lot of my life story with you guys in the few weeks that I've been here, but I'm going to be here a lot more this year. And so at some point when it's appropriate as a sermon, I'm going to tell you more about my struggle with depression. It's been my lifelong battle. It's been kind of the thorn in my flesh. And we'll talk about that another time. But as I read this and it says music has the power to combat depression, as somebody who struggles with that, I say, then bring on the music. Let's go. It says this physiologically, it has the power to improve blood flow and in way that in ways similar to statins. And I don't know what any of that means, but I'm getting older and I assume I need better statins and blood flow. So bring it on. Let's go. Lower levels. I love this one. Fellas, stick with me because this, this hurts us the most of stress related hormones such as, and here it is, cortisol. Cortisol is the hormone that when you are worried and when you are anxious and when you are stressed out and when you're feeling the burden of life, it starts to excrete into your body. And you know what the number one cause it, does, it has on you is belly fat, okay? So if you're telling me music can give me abs instead of ab, I'm in. Like, bring on the music. Let's go. Give me some more of that. It says this, music can improve, it can, excuse me, ease pain, bring it on. Music can improve the outcomes for patients after surgery. You know, there's this moment in the Old Testament where the first king of Israel, he was a guy by the name of King Saul, and he started out as an incredibly godly king, 
God chose him, and over the trajectory of his kingship, uh, he lost sight of the heart of God, and he started to become incredibly self-absorbed and really what we call in modern terms, just he's the poster boy for narcissism. And it just started to go bad, and as, as he started to go bad, his health started to go bad, particularly his mental health. The Bible said he was literally going crazy, and he had all of the wealth in the world as the king of Israel at his fingertips and resources, and he tried everything under the sun to do something about his mental illness and his crazy and nothing was working and then he heard about this really gifted, skillful young teenage kid named David in the backwoods towards Bethlehem who played the harp very skillfully and he called him into the king's chambers and had him sent there to play his harp and the Bible literally said that it was the only time in his last half of his life when he was losing his mind, when he would be at complete and he would be at total peace with himself in his spirit when King David was skillfully playing this instrument the harp, you understand like the power of music and the gift of music that God has given to us. Some of the greatest minds in modern times and even in times long ago on planet earth have had things to say about music like this. Plato said this, he says, music gives a soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination and life to everything. Uh, Albert Einstein, one of the smartest modern brains, of course, of all time, he says, if I were not a physicist, I would probably be a musician. And he's got the hair for it, right? He says, I often think in music. I live my daydreams in music. I see my life in terms of music. Nietzsche said this, put that up there. He said, without music, life would be a mistake. Tolstoy, another one of the greatest minds ever said, music is the the shorthand of emotion. One of the greatest authors in modern times, she said this, without music, life would be a blank to me. And rounding out the greatest minds of all time, I got to put him up there, uh, Keith Richards, lead guitarist of the Rolling Stones. He said, music is a language that doesn't speak in particular words. It speaks in emotions. And he says, if it's in the bones, it's in the bones, right, mate? Right. Sorry, I won't do that again. That's a bad British accent. That's Keith Richards. Now, now, I understand no matter how crusted over Keith's brain is with acid residue or bong resin, like he got that one right. Music's deep in the emotions and it gets into the bones. Like this is the power of music, you guys. This is it. And this is why I was so proud again of Eric and the team when they said we have, we got 52 precious weeks to steward when we corporately come together and worship. What do we want to do this year? And they saw fit for four of these weeks to talk about the power of music. And I completely affirm it that it's a smart idea because there is such a powerful transaction that happens in the human spirit between us and our creator when we learn in holy ways to leverage music for its original intent. Think about it this way. The wisest man arguably to ever live was a guy in the Bible by the name of King Solomon, right? And King Solomon said this about the power of words. He says in Proverbs 18, 21, we've heard this probably many times in church. He says, the tongue has the power of I'm losing, great time to lose my voice. Come on, Chad. It says the tongue has the power of what? Life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. let's, Let's go back to Sunday school here and remember this. The Bible says we were made in what? The image of God, right? We were made in his likeness, which means that we were created to be like him before sin got in the way. And that tells us this. God spoke us into existence with what? Words. 
That's how powerful words were designed to be, and Solomon's just affirming this truth. So think about this. If we were created by words and we're made in the image and likeness of God, that means on some level, not God's level, but on some level, our words have such creative power for good or for bad. And you're going to eat the fruit of how you choose to use your words, okay? Now, in terms of music, let's take this to a whole new level. Imagine what happens to the human spirit if words have creative power. Imagine what happens to the human spirit when you take words and you attach harmony to them and you attach melody to them and you attach instrumentation to them and you, you attach a symphony to them, and you start to put beautiful vocals to them, and we start to sing either privately, but even more powerfully, when we start to sing corporately, do you know what you get? And this is my little blue-collar definition of musical worship. You get words on steroids. That's what I call musical, musical worship. If words have the power of life and death, how much more powerful are words when we start to come together and attach, again, melody, harmony, symphony, orchestra, beautiful vocals, instrumentation. Do you know what you're doing? And I'm going to use a word that we almost always use in the English language. It's almost always in the, like a negative pejorative. We almost always think of negative things when we hear this word, but I want you to stick with me. Give me some grace here. Music. You know what it is? If I had one word to define it, it's manipulation. Music manipulates. And it can manipulate you in some really dark places, and it can literally manipulate your soul back to health. There is a holy type of manipulation, and it is not a bad thing, and it is not a negative thing. This idea that we were to you know, throw out emotions out of our worship to make sure that it's pure and innocent and true and not contrived and not coerced, it's just, it's a nice thought probably with good hearts, but it's just not what was intended to be. Our emotions are this gift, and when we leverage music in corporate worship to bring honor and praise to God, our King, there is a powerful manipulation and realigning of yourself back to God's original purpose over us. This is the power of music when we choose to leverage it that way. There's nothing, in my opinion, more evocative and more powerful than music. Nothing penetrates the human heart and spirit like music. Nothing, listen to this, drives truth deeper or lies for that matter depending on what kind of music you're choosing to listen to. Nothing drives deeper truth or lies into the human spirit than music. You've heard it said, and I, I, I concur, music is one of the few universal languages we've been given. I uh, was on a ministry trip a long time ago, and I brought one of the guys from our worship team at my, my church back in the day, and we were on a trip, and we got off the plane, and we got into a rental car, and when we got into the rental car, I turned the car on and started going, and the station was already programmed to a station of Latina music. And my friend real quickly reached over to change it, and I slapped his hand. He goes, what are you doing? I go, I want to listen to this. He goes, I didn't know you spoke Spanish. I go, I don't. I go, unless they sing to 10, there's, I'm not going to have a clue any of the words that are being said in this song. He goes, why do you want to listen? I go, I just, I go, Tyler, I don't know. I just love it. There's something, as a depressed person, probably the most beautiful commodity I have 
at my fingertips is this thing called joy. It's so precious to me as a person who struggles with depression. And for some reason, I can't explain it, but Latina music, when they start going, it just brings, even when they're singing like sad songs, like breakup songs, which I, I guess they're singing, I don't know, but there's just something in it that just makes me happy. When I'm at a Mexican restaurant and a mariachi band happens to be hired that night, it's like I'm in heaven. My, I'm filming it the whole time and my wife's just like, are you kidding me? It just makes me happy. Why? Music transcends gender. It transcends race. It transcends ethnicity. It transcends what side of the globe you, you, you grew up on. It just has the power to move you. There is a reason that Broadway shows are a multi-billion dollar industry, right? Think about it. You're taking some of the most beautiful, well-written stories in the history of modern times, then you are setting them against the backdrop of what? Music. And it's like it's, 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 it's a story on steroids. It's 2.0 because of the power and how evocative music is. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. There's a reason. Think about this. They give it out an Oscar. For those of you who will be really bored and you will spend three hours of your life, you can't get back watching the Oscars come February. There's an Oscar that you'll probably go get a snack when they're giving it out. Because we love the Oscars where some really beautiful leading actor or actress comes up and tells you who to vote for and gets their awards and gives a speech, right? Like that's usually, but no, no, this, this one I think is one of the most important they give out. And you know what it is? It's the Oscar for the best musical score. Why? Imagine movies without music, how lame they would be. Let me, let me just give you one example. Millennials, be on pause for a minute because this will mean nothing to you, but for people my age and older, I'm gonna bless you for a minute. A movie called Jaws, right? So let me just take you to the first scene where the first attack takes place. They're on a holiday out in the ocean. Everyone in the city is unified and having fun and having a blast. And there's, there's three camera shots in this particular scene. Camera one has the families in the water and they're floating on water and they just couldn't be having more fun and they got the toys out there and everything's all beautiful and copacetic and going great. And then camera two is silent and it's just their legs underneath the water. So it's fun up top and then their legs just having a whole blast underwater with silence. And then you got camera three and it's slowly showing a, 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 an encroaching shark, a great white shark coming and we know what's happening. Now, if there's not a musical score in that scene, it is unbelievably cheesy. Like, unbelievably, right? Cheesy. But here's what happens. This is the power of music, you guys. This is why it's such an important part of what we do as people of God and what we do corporately. All of a sudden, the, 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 the writer of the score of Jaws gets somebody, hires somebody with a cello. And when that shark is coming, every time they go to camera three, do you know what you hear? Sorry, horrible cello, but that's the best I got, right? And all of a sudden, here's what's happening, though. It's manipulation. They are telling your soul to expect something tense. Just in how they use the chords and the musical timing and the particular instrument, it is speaking to your soul, you're about to get real scared. And we're going to help your soul get ready and know that it's supposed to happen. So even if it's not the best scene ever, you're still scared when that attack finally happens. Why? Because music was telling your soul how you should be. So you cannot tell me 
that when we talk about the power of corporate worship, it is not when leveraged right, a beautiful tool in the hand of a holy God to manipulate in the most pure way our hearts back to its most original intent. This is the power of music. My first kiss was to a Bon Jovi song. I will be a Bon Jovi fan for the rest of my life. It was perhaps the single most pathetic kiss in the history of the world. I was an eighth grader. It was an all-night skate, and I had to learn to skate backward as a real man while the girl skated forward and eventually the song came on. I'll be there for you. These five words I swear to you when I breathe. I'll quit singing for you, but, but that's going on like that. I might play that song at my funeral how much it means to me because that was the first kiss, right? That's the power of music. But, 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 but let's get out of, uh, out of my just argument and take on it and let's go to the holy written word of God. Listen to what one of our first pastors of the whole Christian church says about the power of musical worship. This is Colossians chapter three. Listen to this, guys. Let's, let's read it slow, because I don't want us to miss this. The Apostle Paul says this to the church. He says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. And, and I don't think you would be here right now if you didn't want that. I desperately want the message of Christ to dig deeper and deeper into the DNA of who I am. I so trust Jesus that I want to be so a part of his kingdom and I want to walk in the spoils of his kingdom and all of the things that come with his kingdom. I want the message of Christ to dwell in me richly and I know you do too. So where does that come from? As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through what? Listen to that. Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Paul is saying there is something profoundly significant that happens when you start to teach and admonish each other corporately in the church with psalms and using hymns. And not only that, but singing from truth, being authentic in your singing, being honest in your singing, being who you most were created to be in your singing. He says singing from the Spirit. That's when the message of Christ digs deeper into who you are. One of the most powerful tools when it comes to renewing your mind in Christ Jesus, which we are clearly called to do, is when we renew our minds, not just with our words, but when we attach our words to music. It is a gift from God, and it is beautiful. And so I just want to kind of wrap this up uh, with a particular moment in Scripture, and it's in the book of Acts, and it takes place with two of our, again, original pastors, as you can. It's, it's the Apostle Paul. And it's his kind of sidekick, his co-pastor, if you will, on this journey in Acts named Silas. And they're traveling through one particular city and they come into a really weird and precarious situation because there's this teenage girl and she starts following them everywhere they go. And we know from the story in the scriptures that this girl had a, a demonic spirit that had possessed her and she had the ability to fortune tell. And her parents, at some point in life, recognized this ability and started to use it for financial gain. So her parents are essentially in one way or another trafficking her for this demonic thing she's been given to tell people's fortune because who doesn't want their fortune told, right? And so they're making a killing in the city, but she started walking around and she started following Paul and Silas and guess what she was telling? She was just telling their fortune. They were telling their future. And she said, these are the men who carry the words of the living God. She kept saying everywhere. She's actually saying a good and truthful thing. You think Paul would have kept her doing it? Like, keep following us. She's telling us what, what, what we're trying to tell you. We have the words of the one true living God. But Paul cared, I love this, Paul cared more about her well-being than about using her like her parents were to get some message. 
He made it more about her. And so with righteous anger, you can hear it in the text, with righteous anger, Paul casts in the name of Jesus. He cast that demon out of her. And, and you know what happened? She got really free and her parents now all of a sudden were gonna be really broke. So her parents threw a fit. And they went to the magistrates and they went to the council and they not only told what happened there, but they started telling lies about Paul and Silas. And so the magistrates quickly went to them. The Bible says, beat them. And you can read in the text, badly. Shamed them the worst way you can shame someone. Stripped them naked in the marketplace. So think about that. You just got beat down horribly. Then they shame you and strip you in the marketplace. Then they throw you, it said, into the deepest chambers of the Roman prison there in that city. And they were chained to two guards. Chains on their hands, chains on their feet for doing what? Telling the good news of Jesus Christ and setting people free and people were getting healed. You want to talk about a grave injustice, right? Do you know how mad I'd be? I wish I was as godly as Paul and Silas. I don't think I'm quite there yet. I, I would like to be, but I'm not sure. But do you know how mad I'd be? Do you know how much I'd be like, Jesus, I love you. I quit ministry, though. I didn't sign up for this. I'm not doing that. We just got beat down for proclaiming your gospel and did nothing wrong. This is so unjust. And now they're sitting in prison. And do you know what the Bible says happens next? I'm just going to read it for you guys. Listen to this. About midnight, Paul and Silas, again, remember, beat down and naked, were praying and singing hymns to God. The other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now, that was a physical occurrence that happened. But I think there's so much metaphor about the kingdom of God in this. There's so much we're being taught about the kingdom of God when it says the walls fell down and chains supernaturally came off. And what was the catalyst for something miraculous like that, that kind of deliverance to happen? It was prayer and it was worship. You cannot tell me that there is not something incredibly powerful when we leverage music, when we put words to music. You cannot tell me that something supernatural and powerful, whether you see it physically in the moment or not, is happening. This is what happens. Their chains came loose. It says, the jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword, and he was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped, and he knew that that would get him killed by the Roman government if that happened on his watch. So he was gonna kill himself. But listen to what Paul shouted. Here's what I shout. Again, this is why I'm not Paul. <laughs> this is why I'm not as good of a human as him. But if I had just been through that, beaten down, thrown in prison naked unjustly, I'm yelling, don't just stab yourself once, stab yourself twice. Get after it, my friend. In fact, give me the sword. Let me do it. I'll take care of it for you, right? Like, look what my God just did. There would be a little bit of a strut that I might have because, yeah, you tried to get me down, but look at what my God just did. Now watch what we're gonna do to you, right? Like, but we don't work the way the world works. We don't fight the way the world fights. Listen to Paul's spirit-filled, beautiful, holy response after he was praying and after he was worshiping. He says this to his enemy. He says, do not harm yourself. <laughs> He's looking after the one that just put him in prison. Like this is, this is what the kingdom of God, my friends, looks like when it's functioning in the way it was supposed to function. He says, do not harm yourself. We are all here. So the jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling and asked, sirs. Now all of a sudden they're sirs, right? 
What must I do to be saved? And Paul replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. You see the turn of events there? You see in an incredibly awful and horrific, unjust circumstance, the power of God, when we by faith will call out to him, cry out to him, and by faith, one of the most faith-filled things you do is sing to God when it's hardest to sing to God. There is just something so beautiful that not only happens to your soul and your spirit, but when we worship, you got to believe this. Things are happening for the good of other people, even your enemies. And it starts to bring more shalom. It starts to bring more peace. It starts to bring more healing to this jacked up and crazy world. And this is God saying, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be in my kingdom, this is, this is how we fight our battles. We don't fight the way the world fights. And that's not my opinion. Let's just listen to what the Apostle Paul said in another passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He's explaining what happened to us in that prison. He says this. He says, for though we, Christ followers, though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. He says the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, or as he would have seen earlier, to break down prison walls and to tear down chains. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here we do. We take captive every thought and make it obedience to Christ. This is Paul saying, we don't fight in the realm of circumstances and situations out here. I know we want to. I know it's human nature. We're control freaks by nature. I know we, we're just so obsessed with what's happening in this world of ours, but Paul says, guys, that's not where the battle's won. That's not where freedom really happens. He goes, we fight against arguments up here. We fight against pretensions up here. We fight against anything in our soul, spirit, and mind that is setting itself up against the true knowledge of the true God. That's how we wage war, how? We take captive every thought until those thoughts are obedient to Christ. Can you imagine the mind games Paul and Silas were having in prison? And you know what Paul was just wise enough and pastoral enough to do? Okay, these thoughts aren't gonna lead us to true freedom. They may, th these thoughts may fire us up to hate our enemies even more, to hate Rome even more, to hate the people who are against the gospel even more. But he knew that wasn't the heart of God. He knew God loved the Roman people. He knew God loved the Jewish people that were trying to get the gospel kicked out. He knew God wanted to save them and redeem them. He knew they were as important to him as Paul and Silas. And so what, what's Paul and Silas do? They go, we got to start praying. We got to start worshiping our God. And you know what? That is the weapon we fight with. Perhaps the greatest, if not one of the greatest arsenal, weapons in the arsenal of God is the power of a good old-fashioned lifting up of Jesus' name in song when all hell's breaking loose in your life, when you're surrounded on all sides in your story, in your situation. We've all been there. Some of you are there right now. If you're not there, praise God, but, but you'll be there again. It's just a part of the progression and cycles of life. It's part of the roller coaster ride we're on right now until that day, right? And Paul in his kindness is teaching us as one of our first pastors. He's saying, would you please, 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 please battle the way that will, will really work. Now, now I got to warn you, it's the long game fighting our battles this way because you're in zero control of your circumstances when you choose to fight your battles this way. But you know what you start to become in complete control of? Your soul and spirit. Your soul and spirit.
and especially those who have lived a long life and here you're, you're older. Isn't it amazing how much more as you get older you realize how much of life is really out of your control? The younger we are, the more we think we got it by the, the tail, this life, and we think we're in control of so many things. And if we A, B, and C this, we'll, we'll get our circumstances worked out. Or, you know, and, and then you live enough life and you just realize, man, that's just not how it works. Sometimes in God's sovereignty, he lets one of his best pastors who started the early church get imprisoned unjustly and beaten. He doesn't thwart it. He doesn't stop it. But instead, he uses it afterwards to bring incredible glory to his name and salvation to a family that otherwise wouldn't have had it. And who knows who else became saved because of that, right? So if that's part of what we've signed up for as, as humans and disciples of Jesus, Paul's like, listen to me, there's very few things that are gonna be more powerful for you than to, by faith, start to open up your mouth and use your words. And I'm gonna give you this gift of instrumentation and harmony and melodies and just beautiful things that stir and manipulate your soul. I'm gonna teach you to leverage those things for their original intent, which is to bring freedom and wholeness to your soul. Because there is something so freeing and beautiful when you start to trust that long game instead of the short game, which is fighting the way the rest of the world fights. So you can have a quick, immediate sense of justification, but instead going, no, 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 I'm going to tarry through this. I'm gonna worship through this. I'm gonna pray through this. I'm gonna persevere through this. I'm gonna walk through this and I'm gonna leverage every weapon in the arsenal that God has given me. I'm gonna leverage every last bit of it for his glory because I'm more interested in the care of my soul than the control of my circumstances. This is a mature place to be in Jesus Christ and we can all get there. You don't have to wait to be old to get there. But you, by faith, have to start realizing, okay, this is how God's kingdom is set up. This is how, this is how we fight our battles. These are the weapons we use, and that's the power of worship. Go ahead and put that picture up there. I'll wrap this baby up. You guys have been amazing, and you've leaned in, and I never take that for granted. Thank you. Most of you won't know him, nor should you. This was a picture in the 1800s when they just came out with cameras and apparently no one had learned that you're allowed to smile yet because if you look at pictures in the 1800s, everyone just looks miserable, just like, just, okay. This is an incredible man with an incredible story. He's a man of God. He's a man of integrity. His name is Horatio Spafford. He's a Chicago boy, local boy. So much love there. He was a part of the... Uh, bar in Chicago of lawyers, very successful lawyer and litigator. He was a very successful real estate owner. He got very wealthy off a lot of real estate he owned, plus his law practice. And you guys probably know this because you're locals, but you know, I still think it's the biggest fire to date in American history. It's the great Chicago fire of 1871. And he lost almost everything, his wealth, his real estate, his law practice. He lost it almost all <laughs> in a natural disaster overnight. And this is an incredible man of God. He was a great husband. He was a great father. According to history, we know that. He didn't deserve that. You want to talk about unjust. And about four or five months after the great fire, and he had lost almost everything, he had uh, four daughters, and he had his youngest was one boy. He had one boy. And that boy, four months after they lost everything, died of scarlet fever. It's just like, it's just like the circumstances are just piling on and piling on. And so he did what any good husband would do. He had to take care of some business affairs at home, but he used some of the money he had left to send his wife and his four daughters off to Europe on a vacation to see some of their family. And so they get on a boat and they head over to Europe and about halfway across the Atlantic, the boat capsizes 
and over 200 people on that boat were killed that day and buried in the ocean. And four of his family members, all four of his daughters died in that boat wreck. And his wife was the only one still living and she sent him a note when she got to Europe that said, I'm alive, but I'm alone. What shall I do? That's how she started the letter. I'm alive, but I'm alone. What shall I do? And he, like a good husband, got on the first boat he could and started heading across the Atlantic to go be with her and mourn with her in Europe. So can you, this guy has been through some things, like some of you have been through some things, right? It's been through it. And it said, as they got towards the latitude and longitude of where the original wreck had taken place, the, the, the captain slowed the ship down and said whether this was a good idea or not, he thought he wanted to tell Horatio, hey, just so you know, this was, this was the area that your daughters were buried and took their last breaths. And we know now from history that in that moment, I'm sure he was a great writer and a great communicator as a litigator. He got out a piece of paper and a pen and in that moment, staring at his daughter's graveyards, he penned some words. And those words have transcended century after century after century and continued to be used as such a blessing to the body of Christ. No matter what genre styles change and worship styles change from generation to generation, this song has just transcended them all and stayed with us as the, as the body of Christ. And I know why. It's, 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 it's powerful lyrics and beautiful lyrics, yes, but it's the story attached to it, right? It's the pain and the suffering and the difficulty. And it's more than all of those things. It's the faith it took to write this song in that moment. And he was looking out over the ocean and he just started writing. And I got to believe it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he just started writing, when, when peace like a river attendeth my way. And then he wrote as he's looking at the waves, he said, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Said, whatever the cost, thou has taught me to say, you God have taught me to say, whatever the cost, it is well, it is well with my soul. And I gotta believe, I can't speak for him, but I gotta believe that he's completely writing that by faith because it couldn't have been well with his soul. He's at the graveyard of his four daughters. He just lost his son before that. He lost his whole business and everything else right before that. And he's saying, it is well with my soul. Still, I will tell my soul what to do. My soul won't tell me what to do. I will tell my soul what to do. And I'm gonna leverage the power of words and I'm gonna leverage the power of music. I'm grateful for the guy who eventually penned the music and turned that into a song. But at the time, the words have the power of life and death. And Horatio's got this spirit of like Paul and Silas that says, yes, I've been put in a horror situation. Circumstances are nothing short of hellish in nature right now, but I will speak to my soul and I will steward my soul and I will tell my soul the truth. And the truth is this, whatever comes my way, whatever the cost, even when sorrows like sea billows are rolling over in my life, I will say to my heart, it is well with my soul. There's something powerful about singing something that you're not yet seeing, but you're believing for. See, there's two reasons we sing in church worship. One is to affirm praise to God for what we've already seen him do in our lives, for all the God memories we have, for all the goodness he's been to us. We sing authentic praise to God. But then the second reason is we sing by faith our belief in the goodness of God over our circumstances before we've seen one change in our circumstances. And that to me is some of the sweetest, most precious and pure worship you can ever give to God is when you are going through hell and high water and something holy uh, rises up in you and says, I haven't seen external proof yet of how this is going to change, but I will say to my soul, it is well with my soul because my God is good as that is the ultimate intent he's going to have for me. I will just say to my soul, 
And there's a time like warriors, because this is how we fight in the kingdom of God. There's a time like warriors to just rise up and start telling your soul what's going to happen instead of letting your circumstances keep telling you what's going to happen. There's a time to some of you get righteously angry about your circumstances. You're tired of it. You're over of it. You're sick of it. And all you know to do is since you have so little control over them is to say, I'll tell you this, I can't control you circumstance, but I will take leadership of my soul because my God is good and he gave me a gift called the Holy Spirit that lives in me. And he promised me streams of living water. So even though sorrows like sea billows roll right now, I will say it is well with my soul. That is a mark of a believer. And your faith, when you do that, it pleases the heart of God and worship. My goal in worship is to please the heart of God. And it's so pure and pleasing to God when life just sucks and something in you says, that's okay. I got, Jesus warned me that in this world I'd have trouble, but here's the truth. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So, okay, like Horatio and like Paul and like Silas and many other saints that have gone before us, I'm going to fight my battle and I'm going to rise up and I'm going to worship God. So I just thought the best way to end this thing is if we take a few minutes, not be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry right now, please. I really believe the Holy Spirit's going to heal some people in this place today. We're not going to conjure it up. We're not going to get all crazy. and I'm not going to try and manipulate you in the bad way into to a healing. I'm just saying it's available. What if you just ask? What, like, put yourself out there. And in the meantime, the catalyst for those type of miracles is when we just start opening up our mouths and we start declaring, even so, it is well with my soul. I trust God with the circumstance. I trust God with the situation. If you're in here and life's going amazing, I'm so stinking happy for you but we know the cycles of life, right? So keep this one in your back pocket and remember. And here's the beauty. When you start to praise God for the goodness in your life right now, you are contributing to the healing of people who aren't going through really good things right now. There's a participation that takes place. We saw it with Paul and the jailer that starts to happen. Sometimes your worship can make a difference for the person rose away from you or for people that didn't even show up, that wayward son or daughter that you would kill to sit with at church and they haven't been at church in years. Sing to God for them today. Worship God in the midst of that. Say, even though my kid is as prodigal as prodigal gets, I will still say it is well with my soul because God loves that kid a million times more than I even love him. So I'm just gonna start singing out in faith. I'm just gonna start singing out in faith. I have to shut up. You guys have been so gracious in how you've listened to me. Can we stand and we'll pray before we worship because I want the postures of our heart to to be right and to be pure. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, as I look out at these beautiful people, I know the Father's heart you have for them, Jesus. I know how much you love them, Jesus. I can feel it so deeply this whole week how much you love these people. And God, we're just asking right now that you would start as we by faith declaring your goodness, declaring declaring and speaking to our souls your original intent. I pray, God, that you would start to meet us here with miracles. You would start through the power of your Holy Spirit to meet us here and heal our, heal broken hearts right now. Heal depression right now. Heal anxiety right now. God, there's a few people in here right now that are deeply bitter from the betrayals that they've been a part of and that they've received from other people. I'm asking that you would heal that bitterness right now. Take it from their hearts and give them streams of living water, God. There are people that have chronic pain right now and it is exhausting them every day. God, I'm asking you in your kindness to heal people by faith right now as we lift you up 
in worship and give you the glory that's due your name. So Jesus, be so pleased with what comes out of our mouths right now because of what's in our hearts. We love you and this is for you. Amen. You've been listening to Chad Brugman with the message, The Power of Music, which is part three of the series, This is My Worship. Thanks for listening.